Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Vision for You. Today is Sunday, March 28, 2021. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Canby, Oregon. I share ID numbers for Friday, March 26, 2021, what am I saying, 2021, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting is 16654, 16,654. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting, the share ID number is 16656, 16,656. And how wonderful that you all came this morning to take part in this presentation. It is pure grace to be recovered and recovering together with you. A Vision for You Sunday Special Edition is a time to sit back and enjoy the miracles of the program and sink deeply into the testimonies and teachings of those that are presenting so magnificently from their experience with the study and application of recovery outlined in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Just a little bit of a different flair today from the weekday focused Big Book study. This morning, A Vision for You presents The Promises Come True when you work for them. The big book is jam-packed with promises, just awaiting the working of each one. The promises that we may be most familiar with and that we think perhaps the big book focuses on and centers on primarily would be found at the bottom of page 83 of the big book. That's a very well-known and easy-to-find page, and we refer to it often as the nine-step promises. But how about considering the steps one through 12, in addition to step nine, having their own promises associated with them. And what the heck is a promise? Well, it's a declaration of assurance that a particular person or thing will produce or follow precisely as they have pronounced. A promise, a promise. I know of no other such thing in this world that can make that sort of edict. Each step has packed with it themselves all of these promises, one through 12, you'll find them, you'll hear them, one through 12, not just nine. It's a real metanoia. Today, our guest speakers have pulled all of those out for you and will present on each one. From the very beginning, real hope and promise to walk away from this disease once and for all. Something so strong to hang your hats on that drives the sufferer forward, forward, forward for more and more of the same of these promises as we climb up out of this deal together using these steps. A vision for you is so happy to welcome our guest speakers to the line today. This morning, our dynamic duo has uniquely arranged these promises, laying them out for you to see and grab a hold of. Kathy Kay is coming to us from Massachusetts and is a longtime member of A Vision for You in service exercising the 12-step promises to this meeting regularly. Partnering with Kathy today is Penny L.C. And Penny hails from the western state of Washington, just north of me. Hi, neighbor. Penny, too, is a, long, uh, a longtime member and serving the big book meeting. And we are ever so grateful to have the pair here with us this morning. They, keep, they help keep our meetings going each and every day. So with no further ado, let's begin this meeting that, that begins today and ends with the 12 steps filled with promises promises for each one of us if we do the work. Welcome to the line this morning. First is Kathy Kay. Thank you, Melanie C. I appreciate your service. 
and good morning to everyone on the line. I am Kathy Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I would like to start with a prayer this morning. Um, God, please enable me to set aside everything I think I know about myself, my disease, my spiritual path, and you, God, for an open mind and a new experience of all of these things. And please help Penny and me to share our experience, strength, and hope with the promises that are laid out in the big book so that our fellows can take away something of value from this session this morning. I'm delighted to be here. Penny and I have known each other for a few years, and we connect fairly regularly as fellows, and we were both looking for ways to give service to the Vision for You community that we love. Um, We discovered uh, that the promises in the big book Uh, played an important role in our own recovery. Um, And yet we had never really examined them in much detail. So today we're going to do that with you. First, let me just say something about my background. Um, I came to the rooms of OA in 1993. And I spent the first 12 years in the room seeking the right sponsor, and the right food plan. I never had a lot of weight to lose, only about 20 pounds, which I gained and lost many times throughout my life up until that point. When I came to the rooms of OA, I had recently been diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic, and my compulsive overeating was doing significant damage to my organs. I could not stay away from the sugar and flour binges uh, that frequented my life so often. I also lived most of my life up until the time I came to OA in anxiety and depression. It is true that the greater part of my disease did not manifest on my body, but was instead in my mind. My spiritual malady and my spiritual thinking and my twisted thinking were the greater part of my disease. So um, how the promises enabled me to embark on this very precious program of recovery one day at a time. You probably all know that there are three P's in the big book. There's the program of action, which is laid out very clearly. There are prayers throughout the big book associated with each step, and there are promises. And today, Penny and I want to focus on the promises. In fact, as we began to prepare for this talk and do some research, we found that there are actually 142 promises in the first 164 pages in the big book. You can find them if you Google big book promises or if you take a look at uh, 
the phone app called the 12-step companion. Um, and obviously, we cannot speak to all of them today. Um, so Penny and I decided uh, independently and together to choose about two or three promises on each step that were particularly pivotal to our recovery process. I'm going to talk first about the first three steps. Penny will then follow and talk about her experience of the promises with steps four to six. And then we'll alternate once more to cover the, cover the remaining promises in the last six steps. And we look forward to your questions afterwards. You may want to have your big book with you as we will be accessing specific promises as we go through our talk. So let's begin with step one. We admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Um, the spiritual principle here is honesty. So um, if we start with the doctor's opinion and Bill's story, uh, we see um, the following on page XXIX. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself able to control his desire for alcohol, the only real effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. Um, and a second promise related to that on page 25. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. Both of these statements gave me much hope the first time I read them. However, I can honestly say that I did not experience either of these promises until much later in my recovery journey. What these promises did for me at the beginning of my journey through the big book um, was to give me motivation to continue the work. I could see this promise realized in my recovering fellows. And that in itself bolstered my hope and belief that perhaps they would come true for me too. Today, uh, and this is 20 some odd years later, I notice regularly that events and people that used to arouse resentment in me no longer do. I've experienced an emotional rearrangement as well as a dramatic change in my thinking so that acceptance and gratitude dominate my experience rather than anxiety and depression. 
just yesterday around uh, one of our holidays in the Jewish tradition called Passover, I was unable to be with my family due to the pandemic. Um, and I was really uh, struck by the fact that I was able to accept this, feel my sadness, let go of my resentment, and uh, stay in gratitude and acceptance and enjoy the holiday. The other promise in step one, the central fact of our lives Um, I'm sorry, the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. That's also on page 25. I should say again, I did not experience this certainty until I completed the first nine steps. And I continue to read spiritual literature today to help reinforce daily practice of prayer that reinforces the central fact daily. Like with all the step one promises of which these are only a few, I saw these shifts in my recovered fellows well before I experienced them in myself. Step two, um, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves who could restore us to sanity. The spiritual principle of step two is hope. On page 46, it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. And on page 46, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. The first time I worked through step two, my sponsor at the time asked me to write a job description for what I needed God to be in my life. I have done this several times over the course of my journey and find that each time I do this, God grows wider and deeper in my conception and is present many more hours and minutes in my day. I want to note here that I came to this program a strong agnostic, and um, it took uh, many rewrites of a job description for God before I was able to begin feeling the presence of his power in my heart. Today, I spend time in prayer and meditation several times a day, first upon awakening, then at the first sign of disturbance during my day, and then at night when I review my day. Each of these daily disciplines ensure that I pause 
and that I turn my attention to the God of my understanding. This works for me uh, when on and off sporadic prayer never did. Another step to promise on page 55. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. My first vision of God was a distant figure who was wise and all-knowing out there in the infinite universe. As an agnostic, I think I reluctantly borrowed this conception from some of my religious fellows. Yes, this was something was never something I could meaningfully gain access to. When I studied this promise, I realized that I had been looking in the wrong place, external to me, rather than deep within. This turn was critical to finding a meaningful connection with the God of my understanding. Today, as a result of this promise and practicing the steps, I know in my heart that God is found in the pause, not in an agitated effort to find him. And step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, the spiritual principle of step three is faith. And on page 62, we are promised above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes this possible. And then on page 63, we had a new employer Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Here I am reminded that I never realized how selfish I had been or how self-centered my fear was and dominated my existence for the first 40 years of my life. This is why I lived so many of my waking hours in anxiety, as I was always worried about whether I would get what I wanted. I began to see how this orientation to life had made it impossible for me to find peace and to sustain abstinence. I've come to see overeating as my most common reaction to life when things didn't go my way. And having been an agnostic for so many years, choosing to have a new employer and a new director was not easy for me. Yet I was encouraged to do so by my fellows who regularly shared their experiences on this line. And I learned how to surrender my will and my life from listening to my fellows. This is a miracle, to be sure. Another step three promise. This, on page 63, this was only the beginning. Though if honestly and humbly made, 
an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. And down further on that same page, as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. It was truly through daily practice that I began to feel the presence of my God as I now understand God. I define God as an intangible sense of calm and well-being, the likes of which I had never experienced before. Practicing connecting with God a few times a week, I soon learned, was not enough. I had to do this daily. I came to want to do it many times daily. Today, I know if life gets too busy and I start to cut corners, falling back into self-reliance, the quality of my life diminishes very quickly and I am in danger of relapse. I'm now going to turn the meeting over to Penny, who will share on steps four through six, the promises that abound. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning to you, Kathy. Good morning to Melanie and everyone on the line. This is Penny LC, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. Um, I came to OA originally in my 30s but a resentment and my ego kept me away from program for 25 years. In desperate need to get a hold of my compulsive overeating, um, I returned 16 years ago when my life had become totally unmanageable. However, the first six years were an attempt to do the program on my terms, still operating at least part-time, under my own power, and the results showed it. The ongoing problem was that my disease continued to progress and became all-consuming while I consumed every edible thing in sight. My higher power gave me the awareness and the realization that I had no choice but to work the program as outlined with a full commitment to following the directions completely. This turning point began my current recovery journey, which has allowed me to maintain a 67-pound weight loss and continue to grow toward becoming the person that I believe my higher power would have me be. Along the way, I've been blessed by doing the work, by being given a new way of life, and over time, by having all of the promises come true. There was no magic timeline for this gift. I just know that one day I was hearing the ninth step promises read and realized they had all unfolded in my life. In further looking at the promises throughout the big book, 
those two had become integrated into my everyday living. I must declare, though, that the reality is the promises remain viable for me so long as I remain spiritually connected and foster my relationship with my higher power on a daily basis. So continuing with the promises, step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. When doing my fourth step inventories, and yes, there have been repeats and renewals over the years, each time I would be able to see my truth about who I was and truly who others were. On page 67 in the big book, it promises, quote, God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one, end quote. Today, I'm able to see others as doing the best they can in their brokenness, just as I am, no better and no worse. In the same way, I am blessed with compassion for myself, and I'm able to have and show compassion for others. Each morning, I pray that my thoughts, words, and actions be kind and patient and tolerant, accepting, understanding, forgiving, caring, compassionate, loving, and humble. On page 69, it promises in step four, quote, we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commenced to outgrow fear, end quote. Today, I understand that God would have me be trusting and relying on God. This frame of mind allows me to turn my fears over to God. I pause and pray in that moment of fear. As well, I often make an outreach call to a fellow in the program. The fearful feelings along with the angst are lessened and are often released. This is a miracle. Um, yeah. So gratefully, moving on to step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. On page 75, the promise is given, quote, we can alone, excuse me, we can be alone at perfect peace and ease, end quote. By giving away my inventories, I was able to finally disclose my deepest secrets, able to share all of my brokenness with another trusted person, and able to experience a release from my accumulated guilt and shame that had built up over all those years. I can see myself as one among many instead of the worst person on the planet. As a result, an amazing peace and sense of living in ease 
has replaced living in my compulsive overeating dis-ease. On page 75, it also promises, quote, we begin to feel the nearness of our creator, end quote. Yes, finally the barriers were down between my higher power and myself. I was able to have that clear sense of connectedness that I'd been looking for and hoping for. My honesty, openness, and willingness to do the work have relieved my sense of feeling less than. Miraculously, God has shown me, and I believe, that I am enough today, just as I am, even in my brokenness. Another miracle. And then now, moving to step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. There are no declared promises uh, that I'm aware of in the pages of the big book. However, I will share two of what I see as implied promises. First, by deciding uh, to list my defects, my implied promise is, quote, I am able to intuitively determine what my defects are and be prepared to have God remove them. And I can offer that promise to you if I change it to be global. We are able to intuitively determine what our defects are and be prepared to have God remove them. Second, by looking at my truth, my implied promise is I will be able to see and focus on my assets. And again, sharing it with you, I declare that we will be able to see and focus on our assets. I'm able to see the blessings in the form of assets that my higher power has given me today. And I'm comfortable humbly acknowledging and appreciating them. I don't need to be embarrassed for having them. I'm grateful today that they are a gift from my higher power. And now um, Kathy will share on steps seven, eight, and nine. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Penny. Elsie, um, okay, uh, I'm going to continue with step seven, which is humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. And as Penny said, there are no promises in the two short paragraphs that are in the big book on step six and seven, but this in no way means that they are unimportant. I found it useful to supplement these two paragraphs with reading in the AA 12 and 12 as well. And what was really most important to me about step seven is embodied 
uh, in the prayer, that's prayer, my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Early in my first study of the steps, as they're laid out in the big book, my sponsor asked me to say the seven-step prayer daily as part of my morning routine. I did it um, a bit uh, wrote in a rote manner, and later I learned to use it Whenever I did a 10th step and noticed a character defect like selfishness or dishonesty that was blocking me off from God, little by little, that prayer and my own sense of willingness and humility enabled me to experience the promise of being able to let go and have God remove my character defects. Today, I can tell that I uh, notice my disturbances much more quickly. It's not that I have no disturbance today, but when I do feel disturbed, I go immediately to God and ask him to remove the defect. I also ask him to direct his my attention to what he would have me be. For example, I am still a quite fearful person, but when I feel fearful, I immediately go to God and I now get ready to receive his grace by doing what I know his will for me is. I stay in the present moment I practice acceptance, and I practice gratitude, and I sit in faith. Step eight, I made a decision of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Spiritual discipline is self-discipline. My sponsor asked me, to go through my inventory work of steps four through seven and make a list of those I had harmed. And then she asked me to group them according to my willingness to make amends now at a later time or not at all. We would start with the ones most accessible and doable first. She then gave me a structure for preparing each amend and how I would make it. I reviewed each with her before I actually reached out to the person I had harmed. And due to my practice of steps three, six, and seven, I was able to bring God into this work as well. So for me, the step eight promises are embedded with the step nine promises. Step nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. The spiritual discipline is love. On page 78, it says, if our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. In nine out of 10 
cases the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we are calling upon admits his own fault, so feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. I can still remember the fear and trepidation I felt before I made my first amend and how wonderful I felt after doing so. I felt lighter. I felt the presence of my higher power. And I felt the acceptance of the person I had made the amends to. Today, I continue to make amends as necessary, though with regular practice of the 10th step, persistent inventory work, I have far fewer amends to make generally. This is because I do inventory before I do harm and ask God to remove those defects in steps six and seven that might cause harm acting on me. And finally, uh, on page 84, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. The feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. This is the ninth step. These are the ninth step promises that Melanie mentioned in her introduction. And the ones we first are made aware of when we begin our study of the big book. I am struck by how out of reach these promises seemed to me when I first heard them in my first face-to-face meeting I attended in the early to mid-90s. They certainly gave me lots of hope, and I found comfort in recovered fellows who spoke of how these promises had come true for them since they were actively living in steps 10, 11, and 12. Today, I can honestly say that I rarely stay in self-pity and usefulness. When I begin to feel either of those, I immediately go to God and ask him to remove these defects of character. I have learned to discern how he would have me be in in those moments. And, the, and to practice the opposite of these defects. This continues to work for me daily. I observe in myself a lightheartedness, kindness, generosity, and gratitude that I never knew was possible when I was living in my disease. These are truly miracles of working for the promises. And now I'm going to turn it back to Penny, who will uh, comment on steps 10, 11, and 12. 
Thanks, Penny. Thank you very much, Kathy. So moving into step 10, um, having cleared away the wreckage of my past, thank you, God. Um, step 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. My focus was, um, is living a life of spiritual fitness, continuing my inventory process, being accountable to my higher power and myself, and in doing so, maintaining all of the promises I have received up to this point. Yet in doing so, I'm given even more promises. On page 84 to 85, it declares, quote, we react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. End quote. I'm actually able to go with the flow of life as it unfolds most every day and accept accepting um, the, the highs and lows and merely responding uh, where appropriate versus my old ways of reacting with outbursts, self-pity, and or self-righteousness. The main reason for being able to respond with a calm and collected manner is the pause. The acronyms I like for pause are pray and use spiritual energy um, and also practice acceptance until serenity enters. And these remind me um, that that God can do for me what I cannot do for myself. The shift happens when I'm seeking my higher power's will in the moment. This on-the-spot check-in is what allows for my sane and normal responses. On page 85, uh, it promises, quote, we feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality safe and protected, end quote. The obvious place where this is apparent in my, is with my food. Cravings are no longer an issue, and I'm content with my food plan. Obsessive thoughts about food are no longer there, driving my compulsive eating behaviors. The more amazing blessings of neutrality, safety, and protection come in my life as I go about each day in acceptance and humility. I don't need to take on the world anymore. Instead, I simply trust that my higher power is in charge. I appreciate that when I am disturbed, I can make a 10th step call and process through my feelings with a fellow. And this leads um, to step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Which on page 86 promises, quote, here we ask God for inspiration an intuitive thought 
or a decision. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers will come after we have tried this for a while. In recovery and with practice, I'm able to see God's guidance as I stay open to that intuitive thought, insight, or inspiration that will come and direct me. I often hear my higher power speaking through trusted, recovered fellows as we share, and I often receive the guidance I seek. God does an amazing job of speaking through others. Also, I'm now more aware of when a door is closing and more willing to let it go closed and more able to walk away. As well, I'm now more able to see when a door is opening and when I feel prompted by my higher power, more able to comfortably walk through it, through that door with trust, knowing it's part of God's plan. On page 85, quote, our thought life will be placed on a much higher level when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives, end quote. My prayer and meditation time each day has allowed my connection with my higher power um, to be more fluid and my understanding of my higher power's will um, to become more finely tuned in for me. Not perfectly by any means. My mind can still connect to a wrong motive. The grace comes when if not caught during the day, I usually find a process that, excuse me, I usually find that I a process that um, that situation in my 11th step um, nightly inventory. This allows me to humbly see people in situations simply as how they are supposed to be and to look for the lesson that I am meant to learn in that, from that experience or that situation. Moving into step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I'm able to focus on being of service. And the promise given is on page 89, quote, life will take on new meaning, end quote. In recovery, there has been a creation of purpose in my life. I've been given a focus of passing on what has been and continues to be passed to me during my 12-step program processes. I'm able to give support, encouragement, and inspiration to fellows who are on their own recovery journey. As the founder of OA, Roxanne says, quote, together we can do what we could never do alone, end quote. And I've experienced and continued to experience this truth. On page 100, the promises made, quote, Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, 
no matter what your present circumstances, end quote. Yes, life continues to happen unpredictably. With this year of, of the pandemic being a perfect example. Um, yet by working to be of service and being open to where my higher power is leading me, I find myself living with an outward focus instead of existing and obsessing inwardly. I'm great, I gratefully seek and strive to be God-reliant and let go of self-reliance. I'm able to live with a positive outlook and a thankful heart. More miracles that have come true for me. As Kathy and I have taken you on an exploration of some of these promises, outlining how they have come true for us as the result of working the steps, we would encourage you to see the gifts that are there for you with each step. We pray that these and all the other promises have or will come true for each of you. Thank you for letting us share some of our experience and perhaps share some hope with you. And I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Is Melanie there? Melanie, we can't hear you. Well, perhaps uh, this is Kathy. Why don't we take the first lineup of names? Who would like to ask a question? Karen so R. Melanie. Karen R. Well, Lydia W. Lydia W. Marcia D. Marcia D. Nadia B. Nadia B. Karen G. Karen G. Okay, let's stop there, and hopefully Melanie will be back. For the next round, so we can can everyone speak up a little bit more? I can't hear. I can very. I can hardly hear uh, what you just you, what you would just share. You hear, Thank you. Can you yeah, hear you me just, now? Yeah, you just were speaking a little low for me. I don't have great hearing. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. And, and Kathy, just are. just a quick oh. just a quick tip too for those if they want to press star nine. On their phone keypad, that does increase the volume as well. So, okay, Melanie, did you get the name set up? I did get most of them. I came in after Marsha. Something happened to the okay. connection, but we're here now. Right. Yeah, thanks. Okay, mm -hmm. go ahead. Go ahead, Karen. Hi, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hi. Um. Good morning. Thank you, Kathy and Penny, for your share. That was um really good. Um. 
I'm early in uh, OA sobriety, and Kathy, in the beginning of your share, um, you said something, and I might be paraphrasing, but you said you didn't experience the promises until much later in your recovery. Um, Looking back, is there anything different you would have done um, that, you know, maybe you can pass on to somebody else? You know, in other words, like, is there something in your program you would have done different um, to get closer to the program? Uh, That's a great question. Yes, Um, Karen, as I mentioned, um, I didn't, well, maybe I didn't say this explicitly, but I did not start a formal study of the big book until I was about 10 years into the program. Up until then, I was focused principally on getting abstinent, staying abstinent, doing whatever I could to neutralize my relationship with food. But I was still very much close to the idea of building a connection with a higher power, which is stated very early in the big book as the primary purpose of that book, is to help us find a relationship with a higher power. So The short answer to your question is I wish I had um, taken that more seriously and uh, found it earlier. Um, I find that each time I go through the steps as they're laid out in the big book, my spiritual life improves dramatically. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Karen R., for the question. Would it be Marsha next, Kathy? Uh, Lydia W. next. Lydia W. Okay, thank you. Your question, please, Lydia. Um, I'm just starting, and I was wondering, after so many years of being in the program, how did you manage to set aside everything that you knew and simply focus on what was next in the steps. Um, I'll take a uh, crack at that, and Penny, feel free to jump in as well. Um, For me, I had a lot of resistance to letting go of old beliefs about everything, and it really... um, was at the encouragement of my big book sponsor. She would keep asking me to look at my assumptions and beliefs about life, about myself. Uh, And certainly by the time I started my four-step inventory, that's what that inventory is about. It's really about shining the light on old beliefs which do not serve us um, or others. Um, so that, you know, it began pretty early with the help and encouragement of my big book sponsor. Once I got to the big book, as I said, that took me a while. So I would definitely encourage newcomers to get right into the big book with a step sponsor, big book step sponsor. And I passed. And I can echo that as well. Um, this Penny, I, um, I spent six years just sort of dabbling, really, when I look back at it now. And 10 years ago, coming to this more dedicated 
uh, way of doing the program is when the miracles began, when the promises could even start to come true. I had to be, first of all, willing to let go of, of defiance. Oh my gosh. I was, it's, it's amazing to look back and now and see how defiant I was. I was just sure I knew the answers and um, I didn't necessarily need direction. I just needed to be, you know, magically cured of this disease. Um, oh my gosh, such ego. But, um, you know, the process does bring us along the way, step by step. But we need to be willing to do the work. And um, I had to be willing to let go of what I thought should happen and how it should unfold and be willing to allow it to unfold in God's time. I, I believe today that I'm on my journey and um, each step of the way happens as it's meant to. You know, that I wasn't ready to hear things at, at certain points. Um, even as Kathy mentioned, even doing further inventories um, with four through nine, God reveals more to me each time. It's amazing. It's, it's that next layer that I'm able to see that I couldn't have seen in the beginning. Um, so it's an ongoing lifelong process to be able to do this work and to be able to be receiving of all the gifts and I'll pass. Thank you, Lydia, for the question. Marsha D from Ohio, your question, please. Yes, uh, thank you both. What a refreshing approach to the promises and incorporating with the steps. Um, I'm a member that's been caught in a cycle of relapse for some time and um, really realizing and talking with my sponsor a lot that I'm very much at step three. So, you know, my question, and you may have already answered it, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, again, how did you, looking especially at the word decision, how did you make the decision to turn your will and your lives over to the care of God as you understood him? Thank you. Mrs. Penny, if I can start with that. Thank you for the question. Um, I think really, as Kathy mentioned, one of the pivotal things I had to do was be sure that I had a higher power that I could feel connected to. You know, I had to really examine the higher power that I came to program with um, and realize it, it wasn't a higher power conception that was working for me. I couldn't feel that connectedness. There was always a distance. Um, I was, I, it was, there were qualities that that higher power had that were, that were, um, what, abrasive to me maybe even, um, certainly created fear in me. And so to be able to see the God of my understanding, to be able to find that connection with a higher power that accepts me as I am, even in my brokenness, was huge. And when I had that higher power to come beside me and walk with me, then it was easy to make a decision to turn my will and my life over. 
because it it felt right. It felt like this is what was meant to be. It was. It became um, a natural um, step to take. So I would just encourage you to be sure that your higher power is one that that you feel um, connected to, that you're able to um, feel at ease with, and that that you trust and rely on. And with that, I'll pass. I I would like to add to what Penny said. Uh, the word that came to mind as I was listening to her response is practice. Um, Marcia, I had to uh, start by saying the third step prayer every morning as I was directed to by my sponsor. I would start my day with that and by noontime be entirely back in self-reliance. And um, it just took consistent practice, 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 so that I learned finally to um, pause more than just the first thing in the morning, but throughout my day and to remind myself that I had made this decision to rely on my concept of my higher power. So it it just took time for me to internalize this as a very important step and practice in my life. And I came to rely on it and I came to cherish it. But it took time and I passed. Thank you very much, Marsha D for your question. Nadia B, your question this morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B, gratefully recovered in Connecticut. Thank you, everyone, for your service. So grateful today for you guys being here. Uh, My question is um, related to, uh, very practical. Um, How do you keep your 11-step or or nightly inventory um, alive and well and conscious uh, through the years? Um, Because it's just a few simple questions, (laughs) and I know we've been uh, practicing them for, you know, sometimes years. How do you make it? I would say, you know, I'm afraid of saying fun (laughs) or, you know, how do you stay conscious in that practice? Thank you. Um, This is Kathy Nadia B. Thank you for your question. You know, I've gone through changes in my nightly review. Um, Just like I make changes in my program generally, every year or two, I've had to shake up my nightly review a few times as well. So for a while, I was sharing it daily with another recovered fellow. We would send each other our nightly reviews, and if we uh, had any comments, we would send feedback. And that kept me engaged for a while. Um, And then I made some other changes and I found that doing it in the morning rather than at night made more sense to me. 
Um, so I guess my only response is um, I still use the same questions, but how I go about it, the time of day I do it, who I share it with, those um, elements uh, change, or I've made changes over time. And perhaps that's what, that's what keeps me interested. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia um, B., for your question. Oh, Penny, may I'm sorry, I answer go ahead. also? Yes, please. Thank you, mm-hmm. Melanie. Yeah. Um, Nadia, I just wanted to add to that that um, – uh, I am blessed to have a sponsor that I share my nightly review with, and um, I do use the, the book questions straight from the big book, um, and I find that life is what keeps it fresh, <laughs> unfortunately, um, that, uh, you know, more often than not, there is something that I need to um, be accountable for, and um, even if it's even if it's the positive things that I will that I will highlight in my inventory, ways that I was of service, um, gratitudes that I have, I'm sure to include those, and that for me keeps it fresh daily. Thank you for the question, and I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B, for the question too. Karen G., your question, and then we can probably open it up for a few more after Karen's question is answered. Thank you very much. Karen G. from New Jersey, and I really, really enjoyed the, uh, this, this talk and looking at the promises in more detail. Um, so thank you very much, all of you, for your service. And my question is this, is, you know, we, we, have, we have just um, every day we wake up, you know, um, with uh, the possibility of, um, you know, basically with a daily reprieve. That's what I'm looking for. And we have to do our work every single day. And so, and that's in order to maintain the promises that we have been given um, through recovery, including things like being placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about two things. One would be, um, let's say, you know, and we're, we're, we're human, and I've talked to many people, every now and then there may be like the notice of a particular food item. And, you know, um, we say, okay, that's not my food, I can't eat that, that's fine. But when we notice it, does, how does that relate to the problem being removed? You know, the thought enters the mind because it does exist. It, it it doesn't. The problem doesn't exist anymore. But sometimes it comes back in our in our minds. And and then the second thing is just how do you differentiate between, you know, really clearly understanding what's your higher power, and what might be um, your own um, mind as it relates to food and things like that. Thank you. Uh, this is Penny. Um, thank you for the question. I think to answer that second question there, um, the best thing is that, of course, I when I take it to my higher power, I may have um, a sense of of the directions that I'm being given. But 
very often I will, um, if if I'm not certain or if there's something that uh, seems um, that's important enough to check out, I will call another fellow and talk about what's going on and share with them. And um, that really helps. It doesn't mean that they have the answer for me necessarily, but usually in the conversation, I get a clearer sense of of uh, either conviction that that is the path that I'm to take or perhaps to put doubt into it or to um, consider a different way. And then I know that Perhaps I need to take it back to higher power, reconsider, you know, what I thought I understood and see where that goes. Um, I also will write about whatever is going on and whatever feels um, feels that I'm being directed toward. Um, often I'll write a letter to my higher power and in that way express my feelings and also, at, if needed, I can write back to myself from my higher power. You know, that response letter will also often give me very much um, a clearer understanding of how I'm supposed to see and proceed this, with the situation. Um, being able to hear what I believe God's voice is telling me. Obviously, I don't know for certain, but when I hear that letter um, on the paper that comes from what I believe my higher power is saying, it just clarifies everything. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Karen G., for the question. I did want to mention real quick, like in between here, that um, the share ID number for today is 16,662. It will be archived that way if you wanted to take a good listen again. But in the meantime, others that might have questions this morning for Kathy and Penny, if you give me the first, your first name, the first initial of your last name, and even perhaps your state, I'll take down a few more before the top of the hour, maybe five or six. Shannon O.C. from Durham, North Carolina. Shannon O.C., okay. Anyone else this morning? Okay, Shannon, why don't you go with your question? We'll see what comes up next. Lara, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, can I be heard okay? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, thank you all for your service and thank you for this presentation. Can you, can one of you speak more about what you said about how your higher power evolved into a feeling of peace and calm? I can't remember the exact words, but that really resonated with me and that's uh, a new back into program and that's really what I'm seeking and I'd just love to hear you elaborate on that if we have the time. Thanks. Yeah, sure. This is Kathy. I think I said that. Um, and it is true that um, when I think about what is my higher power today, the first thing that comes to me is a sense of calm and peace. And 
gratitude and acceptance um, that when I get still and I listen and I pray and sometimes I write, as Penny was saying, um, what gets immediately associated with those actions is a sense of calm and peace and gratitude. So um, for me, like with every other promise, really, it's been practicing the suggestions as they outlined in the big book and by my sponsor and by my fellows, just being open to suggestions that have enabled me um, to build this experience. So now my conception of my higher power is in my heart. It's no longer just in my mind. Um, You know, I think the first time I went through the steps, I did it in a somewhat intellectual way because I'm analytical and I'm a thinker and I love to read. And it has taken me um, repeated practice to, uh, for God to enable me to experience his presence in my heart. Um, so that's what I did. I mean, I right now I'm remembering someone suggesting to me once, why don't you set an alarm on your watch every hour or two and just pause and pray and listen because I was claiming that I did it in the morning, but then I forgot about God for the rest of the day. And sure enough, that additional structure in my life, in my day led to a more organic process of pausing throughout my day. I pass. Thank you very much, Shannon, for your question. Anyone else have a question this morning? It looks like we might be able to take one or two more of Kathy and Penny. Tara K. Hi, Tara. Okay, anyone else? Okay, how about your question, Tara? Good morning. Good morning. What a delightful uh, way to start the morning. Um, I, my question is around your um, praying uh, and connecting to your higher power regarding eating and eating time. And if you would would want to share um, how you ask for guidance or if you do at all. Thank you. Um, this is Penny. I didn't catch all of the question. I'm so sorry. I was trying to mute and unmute um, in the process. But I heard something about talking about my food and the times I eat. Kara, can you say more about that? Oh, it was about praying. How do you, um, or do you, do you do some, I mean, that's kind of a traditional um, way to pray around meal times. 
So I just wondered if you have any um, words of, you know, experience and knowledge and wisdom on on praying regarding your food. Oh, I see. Okay, thank you. Thank and you for nourishment in general. <laughs> sure, sure. And it and I think it is um, it is a shift. You know, instead of seeing this food as something that's going to give me comfort, I see it as something that's going to give me nourishment. And I thank God for providing that nourishment, knowing that um, the amount of food that is on my plate is sufficient for what my body needs and that it will sustain me and I need not worry about having more. You know, just being able to be in acceptance of of uh, of what it is that that is going to be healthy for me and satisfying in the sense of satisfaction, where knowing it's it's enough today. Um, I w- I'm also a not just uh, addicted to certain foods, but I'm also addicted to volume, and so for me. Um, it's it's knowing that I don't need the volume today. What what is outlined in my food plan is enough. And having the peacefulness of working this program, having the connectedness with my higher power, allows for me to trust that that's enough today, and to let go of that need for more. And yes, I feel that. Um, when I sit down to a meal, I'm sitting down with my higher power and appreciating each bite and the gift that it is. And with that, I'll pass. I, um, this is Kathy. I've uh, had the experience that uh, there are two times when I will pray more around mealtime uh one is when i'm feeling very stressed or anxious and uh i can feel myself looking forward to a meal with uh, perhaps more uh enthusiasm than is healthy um so i'll ask god to help me appreciate what my meal is and to be uh, and to trust that it's enough um and the other is that I have, uh, over the years, become more aware of compulsive eating behaviors, uh, like starting to eat my meal before I'm actually seated at the table or um, eating something from my measured plate um, before I even get the plate to the table. Um and so when I feel any sort of uh, uh, force like that, and I know it threatens my my overall serenity, I will pray that God help me with this at the moment. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Tara Kay, for the question. 
Looks like we have time for one more question this morning. Would anyone like to take that spot and ask the question? Hi, it's Kathy F. F like Sam? Like Frank. Gotcha, thanks. Okay, your question, please. Okay. Um, I guess I'd like to know, at the beginning, Kathy, you said that um, you suffered from depression and anxiety. And I was wondering if this um, complicated your program, particularly when um, dealing with your sponsor. Hmm. Um, well, I've had several sponsors over the years, um, and um, I don't think it affected my relationship with my sponsors because uh, they were all recovered when they worked with me and they accepted me and um, encouraged me. Um, But I also will say that I sought outside help um, from very early on in my program, um, which also helped me alleviate uh, my depressive tendencies. It wasn't solely program alone that lifted my depression. Um, I ended up discovering that um, I could benefit from not only therapy, but also from a small dose of antidepressant medication. And um, those helped me as well. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. And as as Kathy mentioned, those are the outside issues that we can talk about in other places as well. So thank you so much for the, the question. Appreciate that so much. Do you think you have time for one more question, ladies? Sure. Certainly. This is Nancy. Okay, Nancy, we'll take yours, and that'll be the last one for today. What's the first initial of your last Thank name, Nancy? M, M as in Mary. M as in Mary. Thank you. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I've heard um, many times, um, don't let the promises of the program take you out of the program. And I have my own thoughts on that, but I was wondering if um, our two speakers have thoughts on that and um, if they would be able to share that. This is Penny. Um, Thank you for the question. I, uh, first of all, have not heard that, so that's interesting. But if I, I, in in response to hearing it just now, it makes me uh, think immediately that the difference is, yes, all of these gifts and blessings have come true. But it's all based on whether I am today, in this moment, humbly grateful for them. I can't just take them for granted. I can't um, dismiss the fact that my connection with my higher power daily throughout the day is what's made the difference. And those promises are gifts from that, from my higher power, I believe. And I need to honor those gifts by staying connected and by being of service. 
because I feel that that's my higher power's will for me, to be of service, to give back what's been given. And staying, I think, I think just staying in humility, um, humbly being grateful, counting the blessings and seeing them there, seeing them as not something that I've mm, earned or have um, succeeded with. It's something that's a gift that's been generously, lovingly given to me. And I need to cherish and honor that gift. And with that, I'll pass. And um, thanks, Penny. And thank you for your question, Nancy. You know, I've never heard that either. And when you said it, I realized there are several times when I thought about leaving program because those promises just seemed so out of reach to me. Um, so I thought I might be one of those who was constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself. So yes, they had the effect of causing me to consider leaving program. And I have to say, it was the encouragement and the um, sharing of my sponsors and my recovered fellows that kept me coming back. I got just enough hope each time I was contemplating leaving uh, to come back to my next meeting. And um, that's why this fellowship is just so important because until we we do establish that connection with a higher power, we can rely on our fellows for the love and support we need. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, you dynamic duo, Kathy and Penny. You, you placed a real spotlight on each of the, the 12 steps uh, by illuminating the, the promises that are within each one of those. And for good reason, we continue to do to do this work. And it's interesting to to end on that particular particular question because it means something. It goes someplace, and it's powerful. And the idea of the the fellowship, you know, this this unity that we have here, makes it um, absolutely doable because we're not ever doing it alone. Absolutely, never, 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 never. And that's the focus in which we can move towards these promises with. Thanks again for the beautiful, wonderful presentation that we'll be able to hold in the archives. I want to let everybody know that we'll get contact information for Kathy and Penny at the close of this meeting after page 164 is read. So stay, stay tuned and hang on for that. So I'll read that for us right now. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find. And join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us 
as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you. 